Thank you, Mr. Robin. So, I want to remind you or let you know that after the evening service, after our business meeting, after our time of prayer, we're going to have a little fellowship for Brother Samuel. This is his last night. <clears throat> He's heading back to West Virginia. I don't know why. I really don't know why. But I have lived in West Virginia. And, and, uh, but we'll miss Brother Samuel. The Bible says a faithful man who can find. That's Samuel. I wish we had about 50 more of them. We could, we could shake Gainesville for Jesus Christ. He's faithful to church, loves God. He reminds me of, sings in the choir. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. But uh, I appreciate you, brother. appreciate you coming back and uh, jumping right in. And if you ever come back, you're welcome. You're welcome to come back, too. We try not to harass you about West Virginia, but we're not going to promise. <laughs> take, your, <laughs> take your Bibles and turn to, to Revelation chapter 20 tonight, Revelation chapter 20. Um, someone asked me what I was teaching on the night, and I said about the millennium. And uh, so how long have you been doing that? I had to look at my notes. It's been a little more than a year. I think I started March of last year in the book of Revelation, but it's a lot of, a lot of information. You know, sometimes a couple of verses, sometimes lots of verses. We're going to look at verses 7 through 10 tonight as we look at this final rebellion. <clears throat> look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 7. And when thousands of years expire, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive and nations worse the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of, the number of whom is, at, is as the sand of the sea. They went up the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp and the saints about and beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and, they sh and, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we finally see in this passage of scripture, the tempter get his due. Right now, even as we speak, he is tempting, he's dividing, he's depressing, he's devouring, he's doing everything he can in these last hours that he has, this last time that he has on this earth. Because he knows he cannot destroy us, but he can discourage us, he can divide us, and he's deceived much of the world. Lord, I pray, God. Tonight, as we look at this passage, you'd help us to have hope and look forward to that great day when the deceiver, Diabolos, is cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see these verses, and a question may, you may ask as we go into this last passage. It talks about, in verse 7, when a thousand years are expired. Of course, we're talking about the millennium. Remember, Brother Pete has been talking about this on in the Sunday school class. So as he mentioned, if you go to Sunday school class, you've already got some of much of what we talked about. We talked about the fact that uh, the rapture's coming. The next thing on God's pro uh, prophetic timetable is the rapture of the church. After that, there'll be seven years of tribulation. And after that, after the seven years of tribulation, there'll be the battle of Armageddon. Jesus Christ with us, with him on the, on the white horses coming back to defeat the foe. The nations that will be gathered to battle of Megiddo There'll be a great victory by the Lord. 
and then at that very moment, there'll be the end, the start of the millennial period, which is a thousand years. So, somebody somebody asks, why have a millennial kingdom? Why not just go from, you know, Jesus come back, and then the devil's cast into the lake of fire. You know, we go new heaven, new earth. Why why this thirty? Why why this why this thousand year gap? <clears throat> so I. I I looked at it several reasons. I'll try to put, put these together. We see, first of all, the reasons for the millennial kingdom. First of all, first, the millennial kingdom will occur in order for God to fulfill his little promise to Israel to restore the land to them as a redeemed nation. Remember, we're, he's talking now going back to Israel and the church. Now, the whole time of the New Testament is to the church, it's to the church, it's to the church. And as we get into Revelation, he goes back and starts talking to not just the church, but to Israel. He made promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, that their land will be restored. And it will be, just like he promised. And so this during this time, will there'll be a, a great time of restoration. And, uh, of course, this is what they've been promised for all these times, all these years. Secondly, secondly, the millennial kingdom, thousand-year reign of Christ from Jerusalem, will be Christ will fulfill his promise to Israel and to the, and to the church. Uh, as a redeemed as a redeemed people, and so Israel has to have their land restored. Uh, Christ will his his church will have their place where we will rule and reign. Remember, I said we we will come with him. Not only will we come with him, we'll get to rule and reign with him. Now, to the degree that you and I are obedient here on earth, to the degree that you and I will get to rule and reign with him in that millennial kingdom. So you say, well, preacher, does it make a difference if I live for Jesus right now? Or just we're all just going to die and go to heaven and my sins are going to be forgiven? Different. It always matters if you live for Jesus. It matters right now. There's consequences right now in your obedience or disobedience to God right now. And there'll be consequences in the hereafter. And literally in the millennium, there'll be consequences how you live for God in the millennial kingdom. What you... What you would get to do, you say, well, I, I haven't done much. Well, maybe you get to watch over 7-Eleven or maybe a Sunday's barbecue <laughs> or the whole city of Gainesville or maybe a state or a country. I don't know. But you and I will get to rule and reign with him. Obviously, the, the topography, the geography of this world is going to be different. But you and I will have some opportunity to do that. Thirdly, thirdly. The millennial kingdom will fulfill the promise of God to the Father and to the Son. The Father has appointed His Son to reign as, as He had already been promised and to give Him the nations as an inheritance. So He will sit on, on the throne of David. Just like He was promised, He's actually going to happen. And the Bible says He's going to rule with a rod of iron. So it's going to be a different type of rule. It's going to be a temple type of, it's going to be a, a benevolent, benevolent dictatorship where Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Fourth reason, fourthly, the literal millennial reign will occur to provide an answer to the prayers of the saints of all the ages who have been looking for a city constructed without human hands and a kingdom ruled by the sovereign God. From Abraham's time until today, believers have been praying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And finally, that kingdom that's been prayed for, we, we, we hear the prayer, we pray the prayer, for so long, the Lord, thy kingdom come. When will you come? When will you reign? We, we, we desire even now justice. We, 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 require, we desire equity. We desire peace. That time will come. Will you have 
for the first time in the history of the world, a just and righteous ruler. In this realm, no matter how good the government is, it is, no matter who the president is, it will be imperfect. Because it's, it's rule and reign by human beings. But when you have Jesus Christ as the ruler and reign, it will be perfect ruler, a perfect ruler. Perfect. It will be, be like you won't have to worry about the, about the uh, competency of the person who's in charge. You don't have to worry about, does this person actually know what they're doing? You don't have to worry about second-guessing this person because he's perfect. He's, he's been perfect. He is perfect. He always will be perfect. So you and I, for the first time in the history of the world, will get to be under the reign of someone who is perfect. Not just perfect some of the time, perfect all the time. Amen? Here's the Lord for that. And lastly, lastly, the millennial kingdom will exist to ultimately demonstrate beyond any doubt and denial that mankind is utterly sinful and without excuse. Say, so why is that? Well, at the beginning of the millennial reign, everybody who enters into the millennium, and there'll be many, many people who will still be alive after the tribulation, but only people who go into the millennium will be, be us, be us who are saved, who come back with Jesus, and those who are saved during the tribulation. See, only saved people and we who are redeemed, who come back with Christ, of course, Christ, the host of the angels, we are the only people saved, redeemed, both uh, those who are alive or those who uh, have their heavenly bodies, us, will, will basically occupy earth. So at the very beginning of the millennium, it will only be perfection. But you know perfection doesn't last long. Because those folks who go into the millennium who are saved, they're going to have children. And those children are going to have to make a decision the same things, the same way their parents did, to be saved or not saved. And so even though they're in a perfect environment, even though under a perfect ruler, even though they have saved parents, they're going to have still the same thing that every person has from Adam into the last person, a free will to choose. And even in a perfect environment, they're going to choose to sin. They're going to choose to rebel. They're going to choose to follow ultimately the deceiver of the whole world, which is the devil at the very end of this thousand years. That goes to show you, you can be in a perfect environment, still do wrong. So I, I, I talked about this last Sunday night, the importance of being an influence in Christian education. And that is true. I'm for Christian education. My kids have been in Christian education all their life. My daughter's in Christian college. But ultimately, you know what the most important thing about any kid, any kid, any child, any teenager, any college kid is? Ultimately, whatever, wherever they're at, they personally has, must have a relationship with Jesus Christ and choose Jesus. That's the key to successful life. Oh, influence, you can't say influences don't matter. They do matter. Place where you live matters. Circumstance matters. But beyond all that, if a person chooses Jesus Christ, he can endure so much. Joseph, Daniel, so many others. You see through the Bible who live for God in difficult circumstances. You can't say circumstances don't matter, but we find here a perfect environment. Perfect environment. And still people choose to sin. Those who survive the tribulation, there will be millions who do. And those who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ will enter to the kingdom of God. 
The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12, 10, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. They shall look on me who they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourn for his only son, and shall be bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for the firstborn. So they'll recognize, the Jews will recognize that they were wrong, that Jesus Christ was the Redeemer, is the Redeemer, and they missed him. So those are five reasons. So we see the reasons for the millennial kingdom, but secondly to this, this evening, the aspects of the millennial kingdom, the aspects. Let me give you a few of those. First of all, there'll be a perfect, as I mentioned, there'll be a perfect government system in the millennial kingdom. There'll be no bribery. There'll be no corruption. There'll be no greed. There'll be no dishonesty. There'll be no ballots that are supposed to be for one person that goes to a box for another person. I won't talk about that. There'll be no election. There'll be no, there will be no rigged elections. <laughs> there'll be no Democrats nor Republicans. It'll be gone. The political system's over, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. It's over. It's over. It's just King Jesus. Woo, that's going to be a great day. No more, no more going to the ballot box. Revelation chapter 2 and 27. He shall rule them with a rod and iron. The vessels of the potter shall be broken to shivers. I received of my father. Revelation 5 verse 10. And it's, and it's made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. So Christ will rule with a rod and iron, and we will reign with them. Secondly, there will be a pristine environment, the pristine, pristine environment in the millennial kingdom. Christ will turn, which changes everything to an Edenic-like system. Pollution will be a problem of the past. Amen? We might actually have some nice roads. Natural resources revert, revert back to purity of early creation. Rain will be in abundance. The land will reflect the glory of God. Animals who are natural enemies will love one another. Isaiah 11, verse 6, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, the young lion, and the fatling together. The child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. The young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. So we have a perfect environment, perfect government. And thirdly, lifespans will increase like they were before, before, uh, before destruction under, uh, under Noah. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 20, there should be no more thence than infant of days, nor of old man that hath not filled his days, for the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So someone who dies at a young, even at the age of a hundred will think it be a child. Be a young person. So remember, the, the oldest person who lived was Methuselah, 669 years old. Woo, 900, yeah, 969. Yeah, that's good. You got me. Good. Good job. 969 years old. Yeah. Hey, we'll have, and because of that, ladies, you'll get to have a whole lot more kids. Well, not you. You're, you're, most of you, it's over. I'm sorry. Most of you. Maybe one or two of you not got Remember not. But for all the ladies, for all the ladies who go in the millennium who are saved, they're going to get to have children. They'll have a parcel of, of, of children. And they'll have, and, and it'll be a beautiful environment. So that's gonna be a wonderful thing. Number, number D, E, excuse me. Uh, there'll be there'll be pronounced health improvements. There'll be pronounced, oh, excuse me. There'll be, excuse me, letter E. I, I skipped one. Let's go to E. <laughs> if, all, if all else fails, skip, right? There will be abundant resources in the millennial kingdom. 
Bible says in Joel 2.26, He shall eat in plenty and shall be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God and shall deal wondrously with you. My people shall, be, shall never be ashamed. So we'll have, we'll have abundant resources. Amos 9.13, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the tread of grapes him that soweth seed, the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. So we have, a, a, we have a resources, abundant resources in the millennial. Uh, lifespan is, is increased in the millennial time, pristine environment in the millennial, uh, in the millennial time, and a perfect government. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. But finally, we see the reasons of the millennial kingdom, the aspects of the millennial kingdom, but the end of the millennial kingdom as we close tonight. First of all, Satan will be loose. Verse 7, look at it again. Verse 7. It says, in a thousand years they expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. One last time, the deceiver, the last one last time, the deceiver will get to come out of the bottomless pit. Remember, he was cast into, by some angel, which is not even named. Some angel takes him, chains him up, puts him in the bottomless pit. He's there for a thousand years. Verse 8, verse 8, it says he, that he will deceive many and rise rise again, and the army cannot be counted. It said they'll go out and deceive nations that are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. Many people, commentators, believe that's more of that Russian area, over, that, over in that area, to gather them together. The battle number of them is the sand of the sea. Imagine, the number of them as the sand of the sea. That's a, that's a lot of folks. Well, if you live a long time, and women are allowed, are able, and it's a pristine environment, great government, have not natural resources, then women can have lots of children. There's going to be a lot of people, billions of people. One man wrote, Robert Mount said, a thousand years of confinement does not alter Satan's plans, nor does a thousand years of many conditions change man's basic tendency to rebel against his creator. Nothing is altered by the mere passing of time. So this, you imagine the devil for a thousand years has been chained up. You imagine how mad he is. Imagine how angry he is. Imagine, imagine he's been thinking about for a thousand years how he can get back at Jesus. And now he's loosed. He's loosed for a little time. And he goes about to deceive, and he does deceive. He gathers enough people as the sand of the seashore. But the Bible says in verse 9, they say, see, Satan's armies will be defeated. The Bible says, and went up in the breath of the earth and compassed the, the camp of the saints about them, the beloved city, which I believe is Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Can you imagine the scene? Here we are, millions, millions upon millions of people around Israel, and the, there's, Jesus is not coming back. Angels not coming back. Armies are not fighting him. God himself sends fire and destroys the whole bunch. Imagine the scene of that. Just one, boosh, and it's over. All the schemes of Satan, all the plans, all the manipulations, all the things he was going to do to fight against God and against his son, Jesus Christ, and against the Spirit. In a moment, boom, they're over. That shows, some people think, that the devil's up there with God and Jesus, and they're just kind of like, you know, Star Wars, the good force, the bad force. The devil has nothing on God. Remember, you always have to remember, the devil is a creation of God, Lucifer, actually. And he chose to be 
chose to be Satan. So when people try to make the devil to be powerful, oh, he is powerful. And don't ever think you could outwit the devil. Don't ever think you could outsmart the devil, folks. He's, he's playing checkers way past what we're even, we're even thinking about chess. He's got five or six moves. He's, he's an old creature who's been around. He's deceived people from the very beginning, and he's deceiving people even now. But even with all that power, it is nothing compared to God. It is nothing compared to God. And what will, what will God do? Verse 10, it says, He will be cast in a lake of fire. And the devil that deceived then was cast in a lake of fire and brimstone with a beast and the false prophet. They already are. The Antichrist is already there. The false prophet is already there. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Some people will say, you say, preacher, is, is hell real? Hell's real. We're going to talk about the lake of fire a little more. But the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, that unholy trinity, will not torment us anymore. It will be over. Wow. What does that mean for us? Well, dear friend, what it means for us is there's hope. <laughs> there's an end coming to the torment. There's an end coming to the temptation. You may be tempted right now in your personal life. The devil, the Bible says, walketh around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. His goal is to defeat you, Christian. His goal is to de is divide your marriages. He wants, to, you, he wants you to destroy yourself. He wants you to take your own life because you're made in the very image of God. He wants to depress you, defeat you, deceive, deceive you, and destroy you. That's his goal. And when he whispers in his ear about your failures, and he does, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear his wicked voice almost. Remember what you did? How can you be a preacher up there talking about Jesus when you've done this, that, and the, that, and this? He seems to have a pretty good memory. But dear friend, whenever he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Amen. He's coming to an end. But you and I will live forever and ever and ever and ever in a glorious heaven. Be thankful. Be thankful, dear friend. The end is coming. And your best days are ahead of you. No matter what the devil lies to you, oh, you're washed up. You can't do this. What's the point? You're a loser. You're a zero with the rim rubbed out. You can't. No, you can't. That's right. Exactly. You can't. But in Christ, I can. I can. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your promises. Our future is bright as the promises of God. We have a beautiful promise that the old deceiver will be cast in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. No matter what happens to us, no matter what discouraging news, what frustrations come our way, what temptations, what lies, what deception, Lord, what, whatever happens, Lord, we know, we know our better days are, are coming. But we, with the Lord Jesus, will be victory. There is victory in Jesus. It's not just a song we sing, it's a life we live. Help us, Lord Jesus, to choose today, tonight, to live victoriously, no matter what the government does, no matter what people around us do, do. Help us, Lord Jesus, to choose to live victoriously in you because we've already won the victory. We thank you for these things. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe someone this, this evening would say, Preacher, I've been defeated. I've been discouraged. I've been down. I've been sad. Maybe like you, 
I've been reminded recently of my failures, my faults, my struggles, my problems, my, my unholy habits. <laughs> I'm struggling, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. Maybe you're down as lower than a snake's belly this evening. But maybe you've been encouraged because you realize there is hope for the future. Preacher, I've been discouraged tonight. Would you pray for me? I'm going through a little discouragement. I'm going through some depression. Would you pray for me tonight? Anybody at all be honest tonight? Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else tonight I can pray for? Anybody else? Preacher, I'm going through some discouragement, going through some frustration, some difficulty. Maybe your finances, maybe your marriage, maybe your kids, maybe something nobody else knows about. You're going through some struggles tonight. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm just going through some struggles tonight. Anybody else tonight? Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet as a brief invitation is given tonight. And the song is played. Do business with God. Come at this old altar and lay it down. Lay your burdens. Give them to the Lord right there in your seat. Pray and ask God to help you. He's a friend that's closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't listen to the lies of the devil, your flesh, and the world. You have the victory through Jesus Christ. Remember what he's done for you and the hope that's before you.